Updog fella. Look good, feel good, play good. We got some new Adidas golf swag coming the fella's way. I don't know if any new golf swag would help your game, but, but I love it. Adidas is excited to introduce new offerings within the go-to apparel collection that allows you to bring your style to the golf course. Not the traditional golf uniform. Go-to brings a fresh attitude to the game wherever you play. You'll look good on and off the course while enjoying all the technical benefits that let you play your best. Featuring streetwear-inspired style, the go-to collection rewrites all the rules and encourages you to express your style through every swing. Explore the new go-to collection on adidas.com slash golf. Fella. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. To the Missing Curfew Cruise, you beauties, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Missing Curfew. Up dog, time to talk some bit Missing Curfew merchandise. We have taken it from your sick National League pad into our sick National League studio at Hall Pass. It's on the shelves. It's nice. You got it up dog style. I have noticed, though, it's starting to fly off the shelf a little bit. Where can they get it? We had to re-up on some of these sizes. You're right. Uh, we thank all of our fans for logging on to the website, ordering our shirts, ordering our hats, uh, getting your loved ones, you know, a nice head cover, a little ball coin. Um, but we thank you all for tuning into that. It really supports the pod. Uh, the more you guys can support us, the more we can drive this thing in the right way and bring it to life. And... Uh, we're excited. We got some new tees coming out. Oops. Tees are nasty. That's all we I got wear. Spring, all I wear. We got a spring collection, and uh, we want all you fans to tell us if uh, if things aren't showing up on time. Hit me up. I hit you back on the on the emails uh, for the fella hats. They're great hats. We ordered some more of those. G four baby. They're coming from the U.S., so they take a little time in Canada. But we thank you all for your uh, for your continued appreciation. And uh, moving forward, we'll give you some more hot merch. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a fresh new episode of Missing Curfew. I'm Shane O'Brien, coming to you from Hall Pass Media in Newport Beach, California, with the Updog, Scotty Upshaw. Fella, fella, fella. And our boy, back from Florida, Broadway Jimmy Scoops Hayes. What's up, boys? Glad to be back here chatting with the boys. Representing the Boston hat. I just straight up Boston on that list. Yeah, buddy. Straight <laughs> brim. You know, I, I love a straight brim hat. You know, I got to gotta get fired. I keep my hip hop alive. <laughs> That's a statement piece. That is just a Boston. Piece. Anything on the backside or just Boston? Is there a, is there a clover or something just behind there? Boston. <laughs> nope, just straight Boston. It just says I'm a G. <laughs> yeah, you are. How is Florida Broadway? Hey, G'd up 24-7. How is Broadway? Uh, Florida is mean, unbelievable. Florida. It just like it's like we were talking about in California. It just makes me question why I live in Boston during these cold <laughs> winter months because you're always in such a good mood down in Florida. The weather, the sun, golfing. I mean, ugh. It's got it all. No taxes, bikinis. 
<laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Real, real check estate mark, check mark. How'd your golf game to get better over the trip, or were you just slashing it the whole time? I actually had like my first round was decent, and then like as the trip went on, I got worse. I don't know what it is. It's like I haven't played in. So I haven't played since like the right after Christmas. But I, my golf game sucks, boys. I got to learn how to get off the tee. I can't hit driver. No, oh, I used to have that. You got what kind of clubs? We got to get you a tailor made twist face driver. Because I can yeah, like uh, that. And like, those when we are, come out there, I got to get there. Those are such a good driver that even I rip driver now. So maybe that'll help you. What do you hit? Just like a little fucking three iron off the tee or something or what? No, I try to hit driver. I'm hitting that Callaway driver now, but I put a three wood shaft in it because I was convinced that the driver shaft was too long and that was fucking me up. But that's not the issue. <laughs> so you shorten her a little bit for consistency, for accuracy. <laughs> yeah, it's consistently bad. Up dog, how was your weekend? Good fella? I had a good weekend, Obes. Yeah, it was nice. We uh, golfed on Friday. We right? golfed Friday. Uh, I'll touch on not too much golf stories because we know all of our fans aren't complete golfers. But uh, how about my drive on on number fifteen, par five? I fucking hit the tree about twelve oh, yards in front of me, fuck, and I put it in a bunker in front of the green that's <laughs> on 14, directly on fifteen, sixty yards directly right of me. So, and then I fucking <laughs> from there, from the previous greens, greenside bunker. I shoot it up to the tee box, and then I hit a three-wood up to the green, get up and down for a five-par, which was absolutely epic because wow. Obes was like, you motherfucker, you're probably going to go get it. You're probably going to get a par from that bunker. And the I sure did. The best part was our boys were playing behind us, and they were on uh, 15, they were on the tee. 15 tee and up. He's like, heads up. Coming up, boys. Coming up. <laughs> it, was a, it, was a, it was a good upshot par. I knew you'd make par from over there somehow. But... Um, Boys, let's dive into the TV deal here. That's the biggest news right now for down here south of the border. ESPN deal, seven years, 400 million bananas a year. Uh, Going to be worth $2.8 billion. Uh, Updog, I just think it's huge for hockey because, you know, I remember when I was like, you know, the lockout happened and, and NHL didn't re-sign with ESPN and I finally made the league and it was on fucking Versus. Versus, yeah, we I got remember, to put on Versus. Yeah, like I'd go, yeah. To I'd go to dinner here in California and be like, hey, can you throw the fucking predators game on no chance so what were your thoughts when you heard as next player i think it's i think it's huge for the nhl and you got to kind of tip your hat to bettman on this one yeah i think it was a, a strategic play on both bill daly and, and bettman's part to to only do a half deal or to at least announce a half deal so far obes i think the money works um in a in a in an odd place that we're in you know financially with the world uh and content being such a you know such a big you know part of the marketplace for sports uh, you know, ESPN leads the charge. They, they've, um, they've been the best, you know, uh, group that has had NBA and brought NBA to a, to a level that it's at. Um, we need them to do it with hockey. We need them to make hockey cool again. And, and, you know, fucking right. Make hockey players cool. Make hockey cool. You sound like the bumper there, but I love it. Yeah. Make hockey cool again. Make hockey cool again. We need a new hat. Think about it. Think about it. Fucking let us wear our high tops walking into the rink. Let us wear our shades on the fucking plane. Like, you know, catch that. That's part of this fucking lifestyle that people don't get to see that, um, that ESPN will kind of mandate, Hey, listen, we're giving you guys all this money. We want, we want you guys to look cool. Um, and we're going to make you look cool. So uh, you guys care about the product on the ice and let us kind of, you know, let us figure out some some cool uh, hip ways to to bring your game to another level and, and get some more market share. So I think it's I think it's a great deal. Lots of bananas, um, you know, and, and ESPN has all the viewership. So it's exciting. Jimmy, what do you think? Uh, Abby, that you did a great job explaining that because I think that's what 
hockey needs. Hockey needs that big network like ESPN, who's uh, who leads, I would say, all the sports cast in uh, in like that that trendy, the trend set in making hockey cool again. And ESPN in the United States, that is the go-to sports channel. So just having hockey on that more is just going to be huge for the game to grow the brand, grow players. So I think it's a win-win for everybody, and I I truly think that hockey will be able to get back to where like the where the NBA is now because I believe that that lockout, the NBA and the NHL were pretty similar when it came into like revenue, and then NBA goes ESPN and hockey goes their direction, and the NBA is those players' contracts are unbelievable because of the TV deal. So I think you might see as the game grows, guys' contracts are going to be getting bigger and bigger. Up dog, you you brought up a good point of. Like the red carpet, we were talking about yesterday on NHL Power Play with Cools and, and Steger, and we were talking about like showing these guys come in the in the rink and and doing stuff, you know, away from the game with their helmets off and stuff like that. But my my concern was like I think it starts with like the GMs and the coaches letting these guys be themselves because you know how it is like it's the old cliche in hockey like yeah. don't give them bulletin board material or don't say anything that's gonna fucking yeah, stir that the old pot. school like, mentality. Yeah, I think it starts with the coaches and GMs saying okay, like let these guys be themselves a little bit. It's not a bad thing for people to get to know these NHL guys. Yeah, Jimmy, you had you did a Winter Classic game, and so did I, but when you get followed around by the HBO crew, they almost, like, put, yeah. it, put it in your lap that you need to do, like, things, like, kind of outside the box, right? And that, like, the, their yeah. cameras ESPN are going to be around. going to force them to do that. Yeah, like, the coaches are going to have to come in and, like, kind of laugh and make jokes and not kind of you know, be so serious all the time. Like they're going to have to show like the kind of the softer side, um, kind of the lifestyle side of all, of all this. And, and I think it's just a great example. I, I mean, um, you know, in the dressing room away from the rink, you know, follow guys in their cars, you yeah. know, d- different things like that. Like f- have to have camera crews around like the, the red carpet piece is one thing making guys just not wear fucking Johnny Cash taxi driver suits to to the game like Hugo Ross dress for less um you know and, and letting them but you know it was funny but you always have like the coaches that would be like all right today you can wear your jeans to practice yeah and then you look at all yeah. the Europeans don't no have rips the fucking, them though, yeah, yeah no shark bites and the fucking kneecaps and all that stuff right because like the checks would fucking show up and there'd be just holes all over their jeans and you know whatever they think that's cool but it was showing their personalities. So whether it looked good or not, it was it is what it is. But um, there's just an opportunity for now for guys to get brand sponsorships to show that they that they've built a brand. And you know, I look around the league; a lot of younger guys have arm sleeve tatties, and you know, they neck tattoos. Oh, yeah. It's like it's changed since we were there. Usually, that would only be one or two guys that that were just like the fighters, right? Yeah. Like the Clark. Uh, I'm thinking of whom? I think Clark Wilm and a bunch of guys I used to play with that are that are like tough and fucking you'd see them in the bar all the time and they would look like UFC guys. But now it's like the skilled guys show up when, you know, to training camp, you're like, holy shit, you just did a full arm sleeve over the summer. You're like, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. It's like the, the way of the world. So um, showcasing that I think is a great thing. ESPN, uh, thanks for the money. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be split around and we should also talk about, you know, just about the opportunities that it, it, it's going to um, have for guys like us, guys, guys that are leaving the game. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just gonna say. I, I agree with all that stuff, Uppy. You're, you're absolutely right. And when it comes to like, I think there's an opportunity, bro. You mentioned the, the NBA, and, and listen, we don't need to get into everything that's going on down here in the states when it comes to like politics and stuff. But I think there's an opportunity to get some people that 
you know, don't watch NBA basketball anymore for whatever reason that would are looking for another sport to watch. And now that ESPN has this opportunity with the NHL, listen, the game's the game, right? The game's fast, the game's skilled. That's not going to, that's, whether it's on NBC or ESPN, the game is good, right? It's fast, it's skilled, there's lots of scoring. Now, what are they going to do in between periods and pre and post game? And like, I think of basketball, I think of TNT. I said this yesterday Shaq, Kenny Jet, uh, Barkley. And Ernie Johnson, they're great. I don't even watch basketball, but I'll turn on inside the NBA. So I'm just hoping that the ESPN and X players, not just saying because this is what we're doing, but I think it'd be good for the game to get these guys on a fucking panel, debating, talking about stuff, stirring the pot a little bit. It will just bring more attention to hockey, good or bad. Yeah, it can only it can only help. All the guys we know that watch hockey, especially down here in California, they don't know everything about the game, and but they love the game, and they love the guys that everyone we've ever introduced to them at the golf course or at dinner. They're like, man, that guy's a good guy. There's a lot of great personalities in hockey, and there just needs to be a platform to showcase it. NBC, it's not really the you know the the hip cool thing. We don't have TNT. TNT kind of lets those guys vibe. Yeah, exactly. And quite frankly, yeah. no one on that NBC panel can even like laugh or smile. It feels like so. I'm just glad ESPN, the front runners in sports media and entertainment, stepped up, you know, paid the money, said this is setting a standard. This is where we think the NHL is and where it needs to go. And I think it's uh, I think it's just a big move for for the coolness of the game. Yeah, and I I think that ESPN having uh, with Butchergrass and Barry Merrill's as two bigger personalities in <laughs> the sports center community, I think that that's going to be huge for hockey because they got that great relationship with the players now. And like we've talked about, it's all different types of segments. And I think this will be ESPN's chance to grow the game of hockey by getting more ex players involved. And like that's the best when the ex players sit down and start hot stoving and getting the rumors flying and going back and forth. That banter is what the fans want. Exactly. And listen, there's some games I watch a first period where I don't need you to break down what happened to me in the first period because nothing really happened. But if you <laughs> if you get three ex players on there talking about you know certain stuff that it just makes the more the intermission more exciting or more entertaining, right? Like if something happens throughout the period that's exciting, yeah, talk about it. But other than that, when you know you have like an ex-coach and a player, it's like, I don't know. It's like, give, give me three give me three ex-players on there with a host and like these three guys that, and even better, guys that played with each other that have chemistry because I just think when you look at the NBA, they have guys that played against each other, played with each other, and the chemistry on their sets is so much better than NHL down here in the States that I think this is the opportunity for NHL and ESPN to really hit a home run here up dog. And I hope ex-players get involved. I hope they give guys opportunities because we have so many good people that played current, currently and ex-players that if they get a chance to show it on ESPN, this game could grow even more. Yeah, yeah, and then the the look, you know, the feel, um, I think it's just, it's an opportunity, like you just said, that it, it gives guys uh, a platform yeah. to um, share like inside hockey and bring fans into like more of what these players think all the time, um, you know, what they're going through. Uh, different stories that get shared and then like the it makes it like a hockey room and the hockey room is the coolest yeah. part of of the game you know mm -hmm. what it's like that's what you miss when you leave the game is tying your skates up chirping a guy for what he did last night whether it was good or bad um, <laughs> you know and, and and that's what guys get when they go play beer league hockey yeah. they get to go in and, and drink beer and laugh and joke and talk about you know the games they watched last night or you know what's going on at their home with their kids whatever it's just 
you pr you can present like this dressing room feel to the audience. And I think that's important. I agree, and you can get the the listeners involved. I, another thing I'm bringing up the I mean, TNT again, but they people chime in on Twitter and chirp Charles and chirp fucking Shaq. So it's an opportunity that I think hockey need to be on ESPN. I know it's on a little bit on ESPN Plus now. You can catch some games there, but. Good on you, Gary Bettman. I know we, we rip you a lot here, but that's a good thing. ESPN, NHL, work it out. Show these players. Um, it's exciting time for the NHL being back on ESPN for sure. So Bettman and Bill Daly did the State of the Union last week, boys. We haven't had a chance to talk on it. And one of the biggest things was the Canadian division. A lot of people, there's a couple teams up there that wanted to continue next year because you haven't had the true feel with the fans. Batman said it's not going to happen. We're going to go back to the original divisions, obviously with Seattle coming into the Pacific. Uh, your thoughts, Uppy? Would it, you think you should keep the Canadian division to let the fans in there for the revenue, or do we have to go back to everybody plays everyone, so each buddy, so everybody can see each player? I think Canada, and and no offense to Canadian citizens up there, my family, my friends who are on lockdown still, um, but I think it's just the rules in Canada are still you know screwing up things for the nhl i mean and we're and we're going to witness that moving forward with with the playoff trade deadline guys not being able to go up without 14-day quarantines um going out to stay in those stupid hotels and be away from your families there's a bunch of things that that i think if canada was um you're trying to work with the nhl a little bit more that the nhl might sit back and realize what kind of cool opportunity this has actually presented to canadian fans and that i could name you know, millions of people back home that would just love to see McDavid Matthews play four or five times a year. That's just, that's a no brainer. But, um, you know, the NHL did this this year to kind of make things work. Um, it's been exciting to watch on TV. We'd much rather watch it live, but until Canada figures out kind of what they're, what they're doing for government wise, um, you know, the NHL is not going to step in and say, yeah, we're going to give, give this Canadian division to them again. I, I don't think. Like the question I have for you guys is: Is this Canadian division staying like put coming from like the owners or the players? Because from the owner's standpoint, yeah, you, you're gonna make tons of money. Like those markets are huge. But as a player, I I loved going to every city. That's one of the best parts of playing in the NHL. And as being a guy that plays in Canada, it is freezing up there all year. I guarantee these players <laughs> would love to go nice. on a nice little west road swing down California. Like there's no way the players want to stay in Canada. No, yeah. they would get to, right? Yeah, they would no, get they would to still be able to travel around. around. It, it, it wouldn't be they only play Oh, each so other, it's all right. It's still not like the same be, schedule? No, no they still get to they're the same They keep it the same. But I, I was talking about, it's funny you say that, but we were talking about Freddie Anderson. Freddie's kind of struggling a little bit in Toronto right now. I said, well, you know what the guy needs is a fucking, the Florida swing to go down yeah. and play in Florida and Tampa and, you know, get out of <laughs> Toronto for a little bit. But no, so they, it wouldn't just be they play themselves Broadway. And it was from the owners so, yeah. and management perspective for generating revenue from the revenue that they're going to lose this year. They thought, okay, next year, let's keep this to Canadian division for one more year. You know, we'll get our, you know, more home games, Canadian fans for both teams, blah, blah, blah. The revenue may be more. But for me, from a player's perspective, A, what you said, Broadway, about the traveling, and the traveling with the divisions, like Vancouver plays Toronto, that's like a four-hour, five-hour flight in division. You don't want to be flying that far, you know, on a normal yeah, season to play a, to play a division game. So um, I don't think it's a great idea. I'm, I'm looking forward to going back to the old divisions next year and, and everyone playing everyone. And hopefully, well, we'll all be in the rinks by then. And it, it parlays me into my next little question here. Bettman said in the State of the Union, boys, that he expects 50, if everything continues to go the way it goes up, dog, 50 to 75% of fans in the States Certain states are going to be different, but that's what it could be up to, which I think is great for playoff hockey. And with the trade deadline around the corner, 
they've asked Health Canada if you're GM of the Calgary Flames and I trade for a player that's been vaccinated in the States, does he have to quarantine? And as of right now, Updog, they're saying he would still have to 14-day quarantine, which is going to screw up a lot of trade deadline things for these Canadian teams. So just your thoughts on that. If a player's vaccinated, should he be able to come in and jump right in? Or It's just I feel bad for these Canadian teams because they're only going to be able to trade within Canada, and t- teams don't typically want to do that. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a joke. Um, you know, it, we're, we're at a time still where, where you know, governments are in control of what, what's going on. Um, I just, I, I still have the sour taste in my mouth that Canada's like on complete lockdown yeah. and for, for what? <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, I don't even know where I'm going to go with this because I'm just going to keep chirping Canada. Yeah, well, we don't, yeah, I, but it should, they should figure out something for these teams to bring in guys, especially if they've been vaccinated, right? Like that they can jump into the lineup, like. If you're a GM and you got to wait 14 days for upshot yeah, no, to get your does, lineup, it, it does, doesn't make sense. It like, does screw it up, but I'm just glad. But does that, that speed up? Does that speed up these teams making moves like now? Like I never underst- really understood why teams wait to the deadline. Like you have a guy, why don't you go out and try to get him right now? That could speed well, up the process. I, yeah, that's tr- I, that's true. But I think the GMs are waiting for the one GM to set the market. Right? You don't want to be the first yeah, GM to give exactly. to give up a first yep. rounder for Taylor Hall. And then, you know what I mean, you, you could have gave up a third rounder for him. So I think some GMs are scared of that Broadway, but it's something to definitely consider. Updog, these, these players in the States are getting tested every day. Yeah, I mean, I if know, anything, they're the joke. safest yeah. ones. So Canada, like, listen, like these guys are getting tested every day. They don't have COVID. Let them come in, especially if they've been vaccinated, and play the fucking game. You know yeah. what I mean, Ups? Yeah, like, they still have them pretty much locked down when they get in the country yeah. anyway, or, you know, within their team. So the team's not gonna. The team's gonna do what they can to make sure the guy coming in is tested properly and doesn't exactly. have COVID. They're not just gonna be like, "Oh yeah, come on in." Yeah, you know, don't wear your mask. Come on in, fella. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Start licking everyone's sticks and yeah. fucking. No, it's it's it's. Um, you know, I seen a picture of the LA Kings dressing room the other day, and they have you know you remember the Kings dressing room. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's just glass up in between everyone's stall. And it's like it's crazy. Oh. To me, it's just wild what kind of well. I mean, situation. I won't name. The, they sit next to each other on the day. I know. Bench. So uh, the one I was talking to a guy that's in the league still, and he's like, certain rinks you go to, like San Jose, like yeah. where half the team can dress in the room, and like the other half's in the other room, and you got to wear your mask. So you don't, what? Yeah, yeah. So you don't see the guy. You know, like it's just like. Yeah, and you got to wear your mask around the dressing room, so you can't really like <laughs> shoot the shit that much. Like it would just be, it wouldn't yeah. be that enjoyable, would it? Else? No, it's tough. Fine. You wouldn't be able to. That's a tough bounce. Yeah, chew gum and like how do you throw a dip in? Hey, eh? back in the oh, day, imagine back in the day when I was when I wasn't so. chewing candy, so I was chewing school long cut. I would have been in one with that mask on. Let me tell you. But <laughs> I just want to see the Canadian vision. Listen, there's some good teams up there: Toronto, Edmonton. Yeah. We're going to talk about the Calgary Flames here real quick before we get our first guest on. But to the Canadian government, I know you're not listening, but figure it out. Let's <laughs> let's make it as fair as we can for these guys up here. You don't know how many opportunities you have to win a Stanley Cup. Figure out a way that these GMs can do their job properly and make it a fair, fair playing field and a fair trade deadline up dog, right? Yeah, if they don't let if if the government doesn't let a Canadian team law, like stack up before this, yeah, that's un Canadian. Yeah, they, they burn their fucking country. They down. might charge. <laughs> they need a cup up there. There might bad. be a new leader they, next year. They boys. might charge the capital. What's, like, who's they, it? Trudeau, <laughs> what's that guy's name? Trudeau. Trudeau. Yeah. What's the Canadian? Yeah, it's yeah, true. Gas if he can't figure out the deadline rules. I know, right? Like the Leafs haven't won a cup since '67. If he was running a hockey team, he'd be gassed already. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, before we bring on our first guest, that up dog on first, um, Daryl Sutter for the Jack Adams, or, or <laughs> <laughs> I mean, three and zero. 
Luchich is chucking them. Richie Kid's chucking them. The Battle of Bird is alive. Just early thoughts on Sutter. I mean, he's come in and sparked this team unbelievably. Yeah, Yeah, it's like the it's like the fucking Rolling Stones tour right now. Yes, back there, it's a lot of buzz. Uh, Big tilt last night, Richie and and Kujar. Yeah, he says Kai, Kai, oh, tough one, man. Kai Har, he's a good guy, yeah, but Kai he's a good guy, and he's tough. Kai Har, yeah. That's and fuck, did he? He took a. <laughs> he was seeing stars after. He that. took a tough right to the face. Um, yeah. You never want to see that, but but I mean, he he no. laid a hit, a questionable hit in front of the bench that I thought you know he's going to have to do something about that after. Um, yeah, yeah, I saw yeah. it in the first period. It was it was. It was a guy that was that was unprotected. He ran him. I probably would have did the same thing. And he stepped up to the plate. And Richie, you definitely would have. Yeah, yeah, I would have hit that guy. 100%. You, yeah, you would have hit that guy. Hundred percent, you would have. There was a hit that the Princey put up on Missing Curfew last week that you came Como. down. Yeah, where you came, the Islanders, where right? he that came, Islanders you came down oh in the zone. Fucking right. That's great. Hard you don't see that, that anymore. Wow. You that's that's <laughs> hockey. I'm like, oh, here comes the up dog. Well, bam, but. Um, Do you think? Now let me touch on yeah, the yeah, yeah, thing, yeah. though. But their whole team, Calgary's whole team right now, is playing a different style of hockey, and they look like they're playing L.A. King style of hockey. Yeah, they the, do. the way yeah. big, strong, uh, getting better goaltending, defense playing well. Um, you know, their stars realizing that they just can't go out and and you know float around. They gotta like they gotta be be better, and their team is playing hard. Playing good, fucking saddle dome's not rocking because there's no one in there. But it would be though. It would be, and it's just exciting. Sutter's an Alberta guy. I know it's probably means a lot for him to come in and make a statement there. Um, that being his hometown, so uh, that's a you know it's a big big move for him and a big move for the Flames. Did you like playing at the saddle dome? I did, yeah. I've really? been playing I there since that. I was I hated a junior. That barn. I hated that barn. Yeah, I scored a lot of goals in there in junior. <laughs> oh, you played junior there too. So yeah. you had I got good. one tuck in there. So did I you like it. the saddle dome, Broadway? Yeah. Oh, I scored in there, so it's got to be a good rank if you score, right? The Battle of Alberta is alive, boys, and I love watching it. So I think the Oilers to Ken Holland, you may want to think about, I don't even know if there's anyone out there, but you might want to get someone a little tough at the deadline here because the Flames are chucking them. And I don't know if yeah, there's... Yeah, Milan Lucic is... Yeah, yeah, this, Ken uh, Holland. I know Darryl you said you Sutter, want an right? impact player. Like a whole new player. Yeah. So Daryl Sutter, good on you, you old veteran Western leaguer. Got the boys going. And Updog, we got a little NHL insider coming on next, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Mr. Curfew. Up dog. We got our first legit NHL insider. We got Jimmy Broadway Scoop, so we're not saying isn't legit Broadway, but this uh this guy is definitely an insider. Oh, this is the real deal. Frank Cervelli. Frank, thanks for joining us, buddy. What's up, boys? Not much looking good. I like that little Jofa bucket in the background. That's uh that's old school. Yeah, this is the centerpiece of the the bookshelf. Um, you know what's crazy is like I was shocked at what those buckets are going for on eBay. Like that's uh, TSN bought that for my setup. I was thinking, like, who wants an old stinky helmet? I think that thing went for like four hundred bucks on eBay. Wow, wow that's a Deacon and fucking really, <laughs> really coming back. That's a Deacon and great game for the past. Yeah, yeah, he's a beauty. He is a beauty. Fuck, did he play hard? Uh, Frankie, we were talking about we were talking about the ESPN deal down here in the states for for players. You know, good for Batman. We we chirp Batman a lot, but. Just give us your thoughts on the deal down here. It was a it was a pretty good move by him. Yeah, it makes sense to get the sport back on the network that everyone watches, right? Yeah. And so I think it's a huge step forward. Now, from a revenue perspective, they've already essentially doubled what their take is on the US TV deal. And that's what everyone wants to know is like, how does this affect the game revenue wise, right? Because 
you're dealing with a flat cap and the only way the cap can start to inch up is once the players pay off this big debt that they have to owners, which is more than a billion dollars at this point. And you, so you're looking and you're saying, well, this TV deal is a start, right? Because they've doubled it on the ESPN side up to 400 million bucks a year on average, maybe a little more than that. And then now the second piece is gonna come in and that's gonna be the real key in terms of what that second number is um, moving forward revenue wise, if, is, does, is it Fox? Is it NBC that sticks with the NHL? Uh, NBC's got some changes coming. They're getting rid of their NBC sports network. They're going to have to put a lot of games on USA network. Uh, so would that work for the league? And if not, does Fox with FS1 uh, step up in a big way to, to sort of bail the NHL out here revenue wise? which would be another really big step forward. The NHL to this date has always kept things exclusive, right boys? Like you've got uh, everything on NBC in the US, everything on Sportsnet in Canada. And so now they're gonna break it off into bits and pieces like the NFL has, like the NBA has to give everyone a little taste and it, it, you know, a rising tide raises all boats, right? So that's the sense and the idea behind it. So, Frank, on the second part of the NHL deal, uh, is it going to be the same amount of money? And I heard it also involves three Stanley Cup Finals games, correct? Is that is that kind of the point that other people want to jump in on it so quickly? Yes. Yeah, so it's the other half of the playoffs, which with a seven-year deal, ESPN taking four of those Cup Finals, that leaves three on the table. And ESPN is the primary rights holder in the sense in that they get their first pick. They get to pick the conference final that they want every year. They get to pick some first and second round games. And then this other network, whatever, whoever it is gets the other half. So they get one half of the first and second round games, plus the other, the B conference final, so to speak. And then what's still on the table is probably significantly more regular season games than ESPN got. And I think that's what part of what made the ESPN play so smart, not just from a streaming perspective, you want to try and throw everything on ESPN plus get some more subscribers there uh, to bring in and, and get them glued to the game of hockey. But more importantly, um, they know that hockey's at its best in the playoffs and that's when everyone tunes in. And so they're focused heavily on the playoffs and that leaves this next network, whatever number they end up getting, it's not, it's probably going to be half of what ESPN paid, but still, that extra $200 million a year could go a long way. ESPN's going to take all the New York games, all the, <laughs> all the L.A. Boston. games, yeah, Boston. They're going to be like, yeah, we're going to stick you guys. NBC, you guys can go take that Columbus <laughs> match. <laughs> um, no, that, that's good, Frankie. So, Frankie, have you, have you had a chance to sit down with, with anyone at ESPN? I know you're a TSN guy and a very good one, but... Uh, I'm sure they're going to come calling. I mean, you're a good Philly guy. Uh, they're going to be looked to bring in some handsome young uh, young talent to to provide some entertainment for for hockey and ESPN. Anything come about that so far? I wish I had some news to break or share. <laughs> Nothing yet. Uh, I think they're in the early stages of just starting to sort out their roster and what they have and don't have and trying to figure that out moving forward. But it's going to be interesting, right? Like I'm sure all those guys have gotten a million calls from people. Can I get a job? Can I get a job? You know, every play-by-play -play guy around the league is probably calling. Uh, they want in, they want a piece of the pie. Uh, this is the primo network in the U.S. And, you know, being an American, I'd love to be part of it. And also the fact that they have a relationship with TSN, you know, just selfishly, I'm sitting here wondering aloud, is there any way that we could find a way to work together and make everyone happy where I can still do something at TSN, 
still, uh, you know, get in the mix at ESPN if possible. I mean, that would be an ideal situation for me. I just love to work in the U.S. market again. Frankie, we, before I turn over Broadway, we, we were just talking about from an ex-player's perspective about, hey, listen, the game's good, right? It's fast. doesn't matter what network it's like on. It's going to look the same. Can the NHL and ESPN work on showing these NHL players more and, and making your job easier as a media guy, getting more from these players? Is that something doable or is it always going to be the old school, don't say anything, don't give them bulletin board material and just the old cliche answers? Well, I don't think there's been a holdup from the media perspective. I think we've always sort of been asking for that and want more of that. I think the holdup has been on the player side and on the team side. I mean, certain teams you deal with, they it's like pulling teeth. like. They want to help you in no way. Um, You know, they're going to do the bare minimum possible to get their players out there. Uh, Certain teams have different policies in place. Uh, Certain teams are are better at others than others in in terms of granting interview requests. Hey, can I get this guy on my podcast? Can I do this or that? Can I mic a player up? So I, I think it's going to take a change at the team level. And I think it's also going to take a change at the player level. Like you guys have to be willing and interested to talk more about yourself, share a little bit more about yourself. And I don't think that's always the case. And part of it is unfortunately the culture because guys are afraid to say something. They don't want to be known as uh, the guy that speaks out a lot or the guy that's sharing everything about his personal life or showing off his clothes or showing off stuff on Instagram. It's changing a little bit and it's changing in a good way. But I think, you know, at this point, guys are, are afraid to say anything. That's true. That's exactly the problem for him. Yeah. But ESPN's cutting those checks now. Talk. Yeah, ESPN cutting the check now will be like, hey, boys, so, you know, wear this mic. Yeah. You know, I know, but if chirp it, this guy. Yeah, exactly. No, I yeah, agree. But, but Frank is so right. Like, if a team, like, if we request, you know, Bull Byram, let's say, or whoever we want to come on here, if they don't allow it still, then these players don't get the chance to show their personality. And that's, we love Bo Byron. Yeah, we do love Bo Byron. But I agree with you, Frankie. It's got to start. Could you imagine, though? Yeah. Like, could you imagine if you get a guy mic'd up, right? And he's got a sick chirp and, like, everyone's dying laughing. Like, the chance that that makes it to broadcast, I know. Like, if it does, like, it'd be awesome. But yeah. then that player is going to be embarrassed, the player that gets chirped. And, you know, yeah. the guy that's mic'd up, his GM is going to be giving him shit saying, like, why, you know, why are you doing that when you're mic'd up? Like it's a whole circle that goes around and around where no one really wants to say anything. You think our boy Thornty, Sean Thornton was thinking that when <laughs> when he had that oh, mic on? Oh, I mean, Sean Thornton, he was one of the best ever to Oh, he was. There, yeah, he sure was. Frank, I'm here to stir some rumors with you and I, I'm pretty fired up. I know we both love following the, the Philadelphia Flyers. And uh, what do you think the Philadelphia Flyers need right now to put them over the top. Like right now they're sitting on the outside looking in. I get. I guess they got a couple games in hand, but what is the biggest need the Flyers have and who do you think they should go after? Well, they need a defenseman. They need support for Carter Hart. Um, you know, listening to Carter Hart speak, no pun intended, from the heart last week after one of those losses, like it was tough to take. Like this is a young guy whose confidence seems to be a little bit rattled. Uh, he's accomplished a lot at his age. You know, most guys don't even make it to the NHL, let alone become a number one at that age. And they've never really properly replaced Matt Niskanen. I think that's been the one thing that's been missing from that group all year long. Uh, the question is, how willing are you to go out and pay a price for a guy like, let's say, a Matthias Ekholm? I think yeah. the Flyers like him and have interest. But all of a sudden, then you have to change your expansion format plans 
because yeah, who do you protect? Right. Then you're bringing in Eckholm and, and that means it's an acquisition cost of not just what you'd pay for Eckholm, but also for what you'd have to lose in expansion because Eckholm has another year on his deal. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was watching that game last night and that Carter Hart, he, he's, he played great. I thought he had a great game last night. He still, he gives up four goals, but sometimes you can't really blame him. And like you said, I think that defenseman is a huge need in Philadelphia and that's, what's going to put him over the top. That could be actually a contender in the playoffs. I mean, I think they're really close, right? Like they showed last year in the playoffs that they're close. Um, the question is, you know, is this the year to load up and go for it? I think that's what everyone's asking themselves because you look at that East, it's murderous. Like yeah. there's no easy, easy night. And especially when you get, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out which team is going to be the one left out in the playoffs. Yeah. Is it going to be Boston? Um, yeah, it's a know, great question. Some team's going to be on the outside looking in saying, you know, I wish we did a little bit more, but at the same time, knowing that only one can survive from that group, do you really want to load up and go for it? <laughs> Yeah, Frankie, I, I'm with Broadway on, on Philly, maybe because it's cost us money a little bit this year. So when I watch the Flyers play, <laughs> I, I think up front they're fine. I, in a perfect world, they could use two D-men. And, and I had Ekholm down here as a guy I wanted to ask you about. And another guy that maybe make more sense after what you just said with the expansion draft and all that. What about a Brandon Montour in Philadelphia? Maybe you don't have to pay as much for Monty. Maybe not the best defensive guy, but we'll come in there and help that blue line still, right? I like Brandon Montour, and I seem to be, for whatever reason, in the minority opinion. And I, I think it's so tough to evaluate the guys in Buffalo with what a dumpster fire that place has been this year. I think there's just a stink that wafts over all those players <laughs> when you're trying to evaluate them, like on a real sense. Like, I, I think Brandon Montour is a guy that can come in and help a team. I think Colin Miller can help a team. Just I agree. But people look at their stats, they look at their numbers, and they look at how the season's gone, and they say, well, I'm not sure. And I think you got to take and try and separate those guys, you know, what they were previously. And look, not, you know, everything changes. You know, you guys know better than anyone how quickly life in the NHL uh, morphs and adapts and, and some guys get left behind. But I think Brandon Montour has got some game left playing 21, 22 minutes a night. You stick him in a situation where he's comfortable, where he's well supported, protected. I mean, I like Brandon Montour a lot. He is a great kid. And he's Great big kid. and he's strong and he skates. Yeah. Like it wasn't a couple of years ago that he was in the playoffs playing that those minutes yeah. for yeah. for the Ducks for and Ducks. was and was controlling the puck every time he'd touch it. The so. Ducks at one point had Brandon Montour and Shea Theodore, but that's a story for that's a story for a different day. Frankie, great point by you that. Yeah, people like look at oh, Montour's not playing great in Buffalo. Well, fuck, who is right? It like, stinks there. Stinks there. Yeah, you got to live in Buffalo, and it just stinks in the dressing room. <laughs> okay, before I'm gonna stay on Buff while we got you here, Frank. I I think. I look at the Carolina Hurricanes and they're playing well. I love their depth. Their goaltending with Morazic gets back. James Reimer's played great. I think they could use some size. Now, is there any rumors or have you heard anything about maybe Eric Stahl? We know he won a Stanley Cup there. His brother's the captain. Would Eric Stahl be a good fit in Carolina? I don't know about that. Um, you know, it's funny you guys asked and I, I mentioned the stink that's going on in Buffalo. <laughs> I, and this is, you know, a take that is probably going to be unpopular because everyone seems to really like Eric Stahl. I don't know how much he has left. Um, this year, I haven't seen it. And I, I think, you know, a lot of people thought he was on the decline before he had that really one special season in Minnesota. And, you know, someone was joking with me when, when we mentioned on Insider Trading, I got a text from a scout right away after someone said, hey, you know, Eric Stahl could be a fit in Carolina. They were like, Buddy, Rod Brindamore could do more for Carolina than Eric Stahl could. 
And I was like, probably not wrong. I mean, Rod the Bod, right? Like, yeah, he's, he's probably legit. in better shape but, than fucking Stall. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I think he's way back burner for Carolina. And I, I view Carolina as a team that's more eager and interested than most to try and make something happen and, and shake it up a bit. They're not afraid to try things. And that's one thing I really like about that group. Would Getsy go there? There's a good golf there. There is good golf there. Broadway, you got Getsy going. Yeah. To Tell Frankie your Getslev rumor. Yeah, go ahead. I I was trying to figure out what team, like a team that's in the playoffs that needs somebody to put them over the edge. And I threw out Ryan Getzlaff to Pittsburgh because I think he fits the mold in Pittsburgh. He adds depth to that team. He's got the connection with Brian Burke. He has the toughness. He has the skill. I just think it's a great fit for Ryan Getzlaff to go to Pittsburgh. And if there's any rumors to that being true. I haven't heard anything about that, but I was thinking about Ryan Getzlaff and I was like, man, he would make a lot of sense in Vegas, wouldn't he? Yeah. He's out big. It's the size. Yeah. And they could use some help down the middle. I think that's sort of the one missing piece on their team. Like their wingers are outstanding. They really need a little help at center. Um, I I think he could be a phenomenal fit in that sense. The big thing when you talk about Vegas is how do you make the money work? And I was, I was thinking about this today and and making some calls on it. I think Chicago is a team that's going to play a big factor in this deadline because they've got so much extra space now from Seabrook, uh, from Shaw, lots of guys on LTIR. They have $22 million in space at the moment. And I, I don't think they're going to be shy about actor, acting as a clearinghouse for teams. Hey, so you're Anaheim. You, you have Getzlaff at eight and a quarter. You eat half on him and then trade him to Chicago. And then Chicago, if you're following along, eats another half, gets him down to two point. 06 million and change whatever it comes out to and they each eat 50 percent to get him down to a quarter and chicago gets some picks uh anaheim gets a sweeter deal than they originally would have because they're willing to eat half and they play this sort of broker uh that gets paid as the middleman and it, it may not work out with gets but i guarantee you at some point over this next month until the deadline that chicago ends up eating some money somewhere along the line with this user lose LTIR space that they have. Wow. That's a, awesome. that's, yeah. I mean, the Chicago that's, needs to see, that's, that's, that's an that's insider. Good. Broadway, you, Broadway, you weren't coming up with that inside math, math work. No, right that's, <laughs> that's why he's the expert. That's, I'm just the scoop, the rumor, shit disturber. And that's why we need an expert on here. That's above our pay grade here. Frank, you, Frank, you bring up the Blackhawks and I, right now they're in a playoff spot in the central and I think they're going to fade, but I think maybe you answered my question. At the trade deadline, they're not going to risk the rebuild to bring in a veteran guy. They're going to stay the course, right, and just worry about the future. Yeah, I think there's little chance that they're going out to try and to add. I mean, I, th- I think they're in a position where this year, whatever happens, is gravy. Like I, I don't. Yeah, you know, I think if you you shot some truth serum into uh, into Stan Bowman, I don't. I don't think they were thinking playoffs this year. I don't think they were thinking going on a run. And I think when you look at their division. I don't know how you could make an argument that it would even make sense that this is your year to go for it. You're playing with house money. Who doesn't love that? And you go for it after that. Uh, you know, you, you put your team in a position where you can gather as many assets as you can draft picks, second, third round picks, take as many of them. They're just more kicks at the can, more bullets in your chamber. And that would make a lot of sense for this team moving forward. Uh, that could bounce back in a way only in the sense that, what I love about Chicago is they're really close to a blank slate. You start to look at 
their year by year salary commitment. They've got a lot of guys whose contracts are up soon. And especially now with Seabrook, uh, you know, retiring and stepping away, fantastic career uh, on LTIR. They've got a lot of flexibility now that they can really start to make things happen. I wouldn't be surprised to see them become a player in the summer on the trade market, uh, continuing to eat bad contracts if they can, if and when they can uh, to put their team in a, in, a, in a position where they can bounce back quickly. Or pay a guy like Jaden Schwartz to come in money that he's worth. He's going to be free. I love Schwartz. You like Jaden Schwartz? <laughs> Great Frankie? Guy. Do I? What do you think? Yeah, as yeah, a player. Yeah, I do. Hell yeah. Look, um, Great guy. the way he played for that team in their cup run was unreal. He was a clutch, clutch player. Um, and you know what? I, I want to give a shout out to um, Jaden Schwartz and his family. Those guys have been through a lot. Um, you know, his dad passing away at the start of this year. Um, I, I actually sat down with his dad during the cup final in Boston. He met me at my hotel because I wanted to write a story on his sister who died of cancer. And like, uh, it was like one of the most emotional conversations I've had um, at work. Uh, just a phenomenal family and I, I wish them the best. Yeah, I haven't touched on that yet, but Rick was an unbelievable man. Him and my dad, Scott, uh, every father's trip were two of the frontliners for crushing beers, playing cards <laughs> with us on the bus, on the plane. Um, always was the best guy to be around, made everyone around him laugh and have fun. So I appreciate you bringing that up on our pod. That's that's great. But um, while we're on the trades still, we talked earlier about this with uh, with Canada. Like Canada has a great opportunity right now for one of their teams to make it into the semifinal. Uh, I think it's still up in the air with Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton's been playing good. Calgary's starting to come on. Uh, will this will this issue with the government doing quarantining to anyone getting traded to a Canadian team uh, down the stretch here? Will that play a factor into these GMs being handcuffed to bring in a player? Um, and then what have you heard on like vaccines moving forward in Canada and if that'll screw up next season? Yeah. So with regards to the quarantine, I can tell you that the league and the seven Canadian teams are working really hard behind the scenes to try and get an exemption or at least get that number reduced. Uh, if we're being real, 14 days makes no sense. Um, you know, especially with all the testing in place and the fact that some of these players may already be vaccinated. Um, and most of them are gonna be flying privately uh, yeah. to, to remain in that bubble. So I don't know why there's been a reluctance from the federal government at this point uh, to set something in place that allows the NHL to maneuver around it. I'm not saying totally avoid it, but make it five days, make it something that's more manageable, that makes more it's sense medically. It's in the US, isn't it? Yeah, it's 14, like from the start has never made any sense. So like, uh, you know, but that's that's a whole different subject for a different day. Uh, but moving forward, vaccine-wise, um, yeah, I, and to answer your question about the quarantine, I do think that they're in a position where um, teams want to act quickly, but the reason why they haven't been able to act quickly to try and get that 14-day quarantine over as soon as they can is other teams recognize that, and they're saying, okay, you want this guy now? You got to pay a premium to get him. And so that's held things back. And then with regards to the vaccines, the everyone knows you can read the stats, read the stories. The, the rollout in Canada has been so slow compared to the U S and that's going to significantly impact the NHL next season. We were talking about revenue right off the top of the show. Um, you know, that's, that's going to be a huge part of it. If you've got seven Canadian teams who are by in part, by and large revenue drivers, 
the Toronto Maple Leafs, Montreal Canadiens, Vancouver Canucks when they're good. The Oilers are top 10 in ticket sales. If you've got limited buildings, limited capacity where you're saying 10% or 25% of the building is allowed in because their vaccine rollout has been slow, whereas in the US, you're closer to 75 or 100%, it's gonna be a drain on the amount of revenue that the NHL can bring in, which is therefore then a drain on how quickly the players can pay back the owners, which therefore keeps the cap flat and keeps all this, uh, you know, Jimmy Broadway, you know, rumor mill, it keeps everything <laughs> stagnant. Like we gotta, we gotta speed this up, um, you know, to, to make it, you know, a little bit more interesting. And, and the best way to do that is to get that cap number up. Frankie, back to the vaccine. So I, I was talking before we brought you on about, and this is what I heard, maybe you can confirm that they're talking to the Canadian government right now about players in the States that are, that are vaccinated, that come up, are still going to have to quarantine for 14 days as of right now. Is that what the Canadian government's saying? That's the current plan as I oh, know it. Wow. Uh, okay. Like I said, I know they're working behind the scenes to try and get that lowered or limited or exempted and, and they're just not there yet. I know the GMs and talking to them the, from the Canadian teams, they're like, they're not holding their breath because they've been trying to fight this for months. They've been trying to do it since before the Dubois trade happened and that was a long time ago, it feels like. Yeah, it does. Broadway, you had, another, you had a little Taylor Hall we wanted to ask about, right? We were talking about Taylor yesterday. Yeah. Like there's lots of rumors that Taylor Hall ends up in Boston and I think he fits great. Like the Boston's been trying to find that guy to play on a second line with David Krejci since I left them. You know, I, I, was, I was a great David Krejci. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't see that, but do you see, is there any truth to these rumors and what is Boston going to have to give up to get a guy like Taylor Hall? I haven't heard that. Now, the one thing I will tell you about Taylor Hall and Boston is I think a lot of people thought, that they were interested in Hall in the off season yeah. and that it didn't work out. Now, I never got confirmation on how deep they were in on him. And in fact, uh, just doing my homework today, I was talking to someone that mentioned that they think Taylor Hall only got one legitimate true offer last off season, that the only place he could go was Buffalo. What I think I the Hall it. camp is going to have to sit down and, and work through is, what are now our realistic expectations? Because his play has dropped off. I, you know, put that stink in Buffalo aside. <laughs> you know, just looking at the numbers, you you know that his play isn't anywhere near the Hart Trophy caliber that it was at in New Jersey. I don't think it it followed him to Arizona in a significant way. Uh, you know, good player, sure, game changer. Uh, don't know about that. And so they're going to have to manage those expectations. And then the question is, does going somewhere, uh, and he has some say in the matter, I would imagine with his no trade, does he have the ability to, um, to sort of direct himself in a place that he feels is the best fit? And, and then you're looking at finances again, and, and does Boston have the wherewithal to make that work with that cap hit? And, and what kind of gymnastics do you need to do in order to make yeah. it work? So it's a better fit for some like a team like Boston. I think the Islanders are in on him too. It's Kyle Palmieri because Anders Lee being out for the significant amount of time. Kyle Palmieri to the Islanders sounds like a no-brainer. But like you just said with the Taylor Hall, the, the righty shot playing with Krejci, I think uh, Palmieri would be another good fit in Boston. I think Palmieri would be a good fit anywhere. Like that guy's a yeah. player. He grinds. He works. Um he scores, he's consistent. Like you don't have many question marks, you know, heading into a game is Kyle Palmieri going to show up 
And that's one thing I think that has a lot of teams interested, but it also has the New Jersey Devils interested. And, you know, there's a reason why Palmieri hasn't made it onto my trade board just yet. And the reason for that is I think the Devils are still interested in re-signing him. They yeah. haven't engaged in those discussions yet. And I think the Devils are real cautious to peel a player out of there, especially a Jersey kid who likes playing there, has made the team competitive. Uh, they've had a roller coaster year, really good start, get hit by COVID, bottom falls out, and they've struggled. I think they've lost something like 11 at home straight, yeah. which is crazy. Um, so I think they're interested in keeping him. The question is at what price? Frankie, what does Kenny Holland have to do to get the Edmonton Oilers out of this North division this year? What kind of moves does he need to bring in? Does he need a top nine forward uh, to help with the, the workload of Dreisaitl and McDavid? Maybe another D. Uh, what do you think there? I think they need probably both of those things. Um, the problem is they're dealing with cap constraints and roster constraints that make it really difficult. And, you know, I talk about this idea all the time um, of teams, and I think you see it a lot in the North Division this year that are on cycles. Um, and, and I mean by that is where are they at in terms of their win-now process, cap-wise, contract-wise? I don't know that this is the year that the Oilers are going to load up and go for it. Um, I think if they do something, they got a little bit aggressive last year at the deadline. Athanasiu, that didn't work out. Um, you know, they were in a position where they, they spent some assets that maybe they didn't need to. And now moving forward, I think they're in a position where, uh, you know, it might be wise to lay low. If you're looking at the way that that division, you know, shapes out tough spot, you know, regardless of who you're getting in the playoffs, Toronto, um, you know, Montreal, Winnipeg, they're all going to be tough teams to beat. So do you feel like, you know, the one player or two players you could add at this deadline, if you can, are really going to be that big of a difference maker because you've got some cap space coming this summer. You've got some young guys that you're going to put in your lineup. Vancouver was there last year. They knew that with Markstrom being in the last year of his deal um, to Foley, you know, the way that they added that that was their year to, to take a run and go at it. And then Toronto's there this year. They've got Zach Hyman the last year of his deal. Uh, Freddie Anderson last year of his deal. So they're going to try and add before they really have to shake things up. And Montreal saw an opening this summer with the way that that team played in the playoffs and Winnipeg is just right there. They can add and they're in a position where they're going to be sustained, sustained success for a while. So I don't know. I think you got to wait and keep your powder dry if you're Edmonton and wait until the off season to really start to do some, uh, some surgery there with some flexibility that they're going to have this off season. That is some great insight. That right? yeah, that's that's going to be tough for those Alberta guys up there, I tell you. They just year after year watch Wait. watch McDavid and Dreisaitl score 120 points each and just fucking <laughs> yeah. lose. That's a good but That's that's actually the, what they have to guard against, right? Is yeah. like you want to make sure that you keep your players happy. Totally. Connor McDavid wants to be an Edmonton Oiler. You know, you got to have him excited. You don't want to end up in a situation, not to say that it's on the horizon, but with Jack Eichel and in Buffalo where you're like, are we ever going to win here? Yeah. And that's the question he's asking himself. You know, I think there is some frustration on the McDavid part. Um, you know, they want to win and they want to, he's a competitive guy. Uh, he doesn't like that team not adding, I would imagine at the deadline, but I don't think they're in a position to this year. Frankie, that's a great point by you. I think they need a defenseman and a goaltender, but 
Could they get a goaltender? I love Mike Smith. I think he's come in there and done a great job. He's whatever, 37 years old, great teammate. But like Jonathan Quick, maybe, or does that not make sense? Would, would Ken Holland maybe pull the trigger on a goaltender to just help them maybe get hot in the playoffs and not have to give up too much of the future and next year, like you said? You would think that if he was going to add a goalie, it would have been last offseason, yeah, right? that's true. Like there were so many guys available, and they didn't have Smith. Um, you know, they had an opening, and they're like, okay, this is the year Edmonton solves their goaltending problem. And then they came back with Smith. And again, not to say that he can't do it in the playoffs. He's actually been a great playoff goalie in his career. Um, but he really struggled in that short series. Uh, so did Koskinen, 873 save percentage, something like that. Ooh. Their team was at in the playoffs. It's not going to get it done. Um, I just don't, I think the goaltending market right now is so small. And there's so many other teams that are looking for an upgrade. I think, you know, Washington's monitoring it closely. Pittsburgh yeah. wants a goalie. Colorado, I think, wants a goalie. So I I just, we don't have many names available. Kemper's hurt again. Uh, you know, you guys have mentioned Quick. I think Quick's played well enough that, and his cap hit's good enough. You might as well keep him in L.A. for a bit. That team seems to be surprising. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, who else are you looking at? Devin Dubnik is a guy that, uh, is going to be mentioned on insider trading tonight as a guy in San Jose that's available, but I don't know that he's putting your team over the top, let alone coming back to Edmonton. Those are all great points. Frankie, last one for me here before we let you go, and we appreciate you coming on, buddy. Um, I got to go with my boy Torts and Lonnie and Patrick Liney in Columbus. My boy Steve Cools calls it on the power pot. We call it a soul proper. He calls it the bold and the blue jackets. What's going on there in your opinion? Is this going to cost Torts his job? And, and it's just been like, I love John Tortorella, but I don't really get what he's doing down there right now. Hard to say. Um, there's all sorts of mixed opinions. Like, you know, people were saying, does John Tortorella want a coach? Yeah. You know, is he doing all this to get fired? I think people have been asking that. <laughs> I'm starting Buffalo to think that year. myself. He's, he's I'm starting to wonder that. that. Yeah. Like, it, it, would he just be better off collecting his four sheets and, and sip? hot chocolate in Switzerland next year. I, I don't know. Like, um, so everyone is asking these questions, but I think he's got such a standard for how he wants his team to play that he just doesn't care who is not meeting it, whether you're, you know, high, high priced player in Patrick line, or whether you're uh, the fourth line left winger that's in and out of the lineup. He's, he's just got a standard and, and line is not hitting what he wants to see. I think that just puts Yarmo Kekalainen in a tough spot. Like, you know, you just traded a, a marquee player in Pierre-Luc Dubois. Winnipeg gets their number one center. Roslevic has worked out quite well there in Columbus. And then you're saying, why, like, why is he giving him a hard time? You know, just let him go, let him play. And, you know, I think lots of people want to put John Tortorella in a bucket, um, you know, and stereotype. I'm not, I'm not there yet. I know he's been there, you know, in the league a long time. Um, I seem to remember him getting along with Panarin quite well. Like, I, I, I don't know what it is about Line A's game specifically that he doesn't like, but um, it, it's created a tough spot for Torts moving forward. And then the last year of his deal, you got to ask yourself, is he back? And if not, you know, why not make a change and put your team in a spot where they, you know, could compete for that last spot in the Central, especially if you think Chicago, as you mentioned, is falling off. Maybe Torch just can't beat him at Call of Duty and he's just pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably something. something yeah, like I just, when, when you go against a GM, like Frankie just said, when your GM brings in a trade a star player for a star player and you come in and you don't play the star player that your GM just got, 
I love John Tortorella. I think he's a great coach, but it makes me wonder, Frankie, like you said, does he really want to continue to coach? But uh, for me, that you got anything and else? I think for... he would be offended at, at you suggesting that, by the way. Yeah, and no, me suggesting I, listen, that. Yeah, I mean, he ripped me enough in my career. I'm going to rip Torts back That's a little time. bit here. But I love John Tortorella, but this one down there doesn't make sense to me what he's doing. But I don't know the line kid. I don't see the day-to-day stuff, Frankie. So who knows exactly what's going on, but... It's just, I think Torts is, I don't know, maybe had enough time in Columbus. He wants to change the scenery. I'm not sure. Frankie, thanks for coming on. Uh, we'll make this a reoccurring thing. Have you on. Talk some Frank, shop. I got one more for Frank. All okay, right, Frankie. Let's, let's, let's see it. Since, hey, since we got the insider on, I need to know the insider info. Okay. A name that kind of fell out of hockey is Tony D'Angelo. Is anybody willing to Ooh. take a chance on, on Tony D'Angelo? He's coming off 55 points i think it was last season signs a nice ticket in new york and whatever happened happened is there a team out there that will go after him great question not to my knowledge and it's unfortunate because i don't think anyone has any issue with the player i think they have an issue with what comes with tony d'angelo um he's like the third rail right now no one wants to touch him and i think that's it's really unfortunate because there's a lot to unpack with Tony. I, you know, I've gotten to know him a little bit. He's a Philly kid. Um, you know, his teammates, you know, by and large, and you guys would hear the scoop better than me. They, they seem to really like him. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually feel for him because he's a vocal guy. He's gotten himself into trouble, you know, on the ice and off it a little bit with his temper. Uh, I think that's always been there. And I think, you know, the rest of it, he's paying the price for innuendo and rumor and, and for voicing some of his political views in an unpopular time. And I hate to see that. I don't think it should affect his ability to earn a living. And, you know, he's in a spot now where he's going to really have to rehabilitate his career because he was trying to get sent to the AHL where, and I thought that was always going to be the best Avenue for him to get traded. Right. You, you loan him to another AHL team. They get to know him for two weeks. They see that he's not a problem or at least that they don't think he will be. And then you trade for him and then he can rehabilitate his career in the NHL quickly. Like you mentioned it, he's a 64 point defenseman last year. If you, you know, convert that out to a full 82 game season. Now he's looking at a buyout in the off season. The finances have complicated. He's messing with the one team in the league or one of a, a very select few that can say, no problem. Go sit on your thumb. We, we don't mind paying you 4.8 this year. The Rangers have that kind of cash and that's what he's dealing with now is he's looking at, you know, a buyout and a minimum contract next year to come prove himself and the leash isn't going to be long. That's a great question, Broadway. That's why you're our, uh, you're our Jimmy Scoops insider. Frank, buddy, listen, thank you so much. You're always welcome. We'd love to have you on here regularly if you can do it. And second, you're always welcome because you can challenge the updog for best hair on this show, which me and Broadway can't do. So anytime yeah. you can challenge the updog for best hair, you're always welcome at Mr. Curfew, bud. Hey, look, I can challenge uh, Uppy with hair and, and Obi, me and you, we got a little weight thing going on. <laughs> that we do, buddy. That just means we're enjoying life, Frankie. That's all it means, bud. Yeah. Welcome back to Mission Curfew. Thank you for uh, up on good poll, Frank Savelli. Great guy, good hair, inside scoop. He had everything for us. Um, so thanks to him. And now we got one of my former teammates and one of your former teammates. You're right. Who's going to give us a little different inside than Frank Savelli? This guy played 491 games. I can't believe he didn't bollock his way to 500, which we got to get the reasoning for that. <laughs> and the only guy we've had on that's drafted later than me, he was in the ninth round, 264th overall. 
Pierre Alexander Paranto. Mago, thanks for joining us, What's buddy. Up, What's up, buddy? No problem, buddy. PA, What's welcome up, to Missing Curfew. You. I, uh, I got to know, so just right off the hop here, I got to know PA when he was, fuck, he couldn't even speak English. And your English is pretty good now, actually. It gets a little sloppy when we're out having wine together, but um, <laughs> fuck, we played together at World Juniors in 2002 in Halifax. And I remember you and Bouchard came on our team. I don't know if you played with him in junior. Did you? I think you did. Yeah, I did, yeah. Uh, you two yeah, fucking oh yeah, Frenchmen came on our team and absolutely lit it up. Um, and then I remember, man, we I, we lost in the final, but we had such a good finals. You and me, we were playing, fuck, we were playing on the same line, scoring power play goals together, just fucking lighting the lamp in in Halifax on and off the ice. Uh, so we we go way back. So it's on and off the ice. So it's good to see it's good to see that face again and missing curfew. We've been talking about having you on here for a while, so so it's nice to uh, nice to bring you in the studio, pal. I just remember watching those World Junior hey. and the Mago. Did did you use like a wooden stick back then or something, Mago? Did you use a wooden stick? All right. Yeah, I was one of the last ones using a wooden stick. Half tape job. You remember that? Tape? I'm like, yeah, that was big in the queue that year. I turned on World Juniors. I'm like, who the fuck's this broad token? He's drafted ninth round. He's got 190 points in the fucking Quebec League already, and he's using a wooden stick. <laughs> <laughs> and he's looking at himself in the glass the whole game. What's going on with that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some things never change, trust me. Hey, just talk about that World oh, Junior man. experience with Uppy in Halifax as a French-Canadian guy playing that. Because I remember watching that, Mago, and, and the atmosphere and Tutu's killing guys. What was it like for you? Yeah, Tutu. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it was great. Um, you know, playing World Junior was a, was a dream come true. I was a real, like you said, I was drafted in the ninth round. It was all surrounded by first round pick as a really long shot to make the team but i had uh had such a good start to the season that year at 19 years old i finally got a shot and like up you said playing with uh, pierre marc bouchard i was already in the show and we had a good good chemistry going so that's that helped me make that team and i had a really good tournament i was uh you know i was a dark horse but i uh i played pretty well and kind of put me on the map for a bit I still play. I play. I still play seven years in the AHL, but it did put me on the map. <laughs> I got that. One of my questions is about fucking. You play the American League. Bro. I was gonna ask him that too, Obe. So I was like, "Gee, that's a long time to grind it out in the minors." Oh well, yeah. I mean, there is one thing though that we all have in common here that not a lot of fucking NHL guys can say now is that we've all played years in the minors. I mean, I have four. I have four or five, like on and off in the minors. So I mean, it's. No matter if you're first overall pick or, or a first rounder or not, yeah. we fucking we strung it out in the, you know, for in the, sure, in the ditches. I guess I went, we said. paid our dues. We, we paid, paid our dues, dues boys. Dues. I went three years they, in the. Oh, what you call it? The iron lung. The, the, the fucking bus? iron. The, the, bus, the iron lung. I went three years in the jungle with the mago, <laughs> and then two years late in the jungle. Oh. But but mags, one thing I always because I remember like up you said when I met you, fella, you were, you know, this little good looking French kid with swagger, but you couldn't speak English very well. I remember me and you, we both are rookie year in Cincinnati. We didn't start in the lineup. How hard was it for you coming out of the Quebec League into a league back then where guys were probably wanting to really take your head off because you were a skilled French guy? It must have been an adjustment for you in, in dealing with that. Yeah, I remember that was a really tough year. Such an adjustment, you know. Didn't speak the language very well. <laughs> I don't know if you remember me and Joe Perot. We were struggling, both of us. Uh, but I, I was such a social butterfly. I was like, there's no fucking way I'm not going to learn the language. I can't deal with this. <laughs> you know? So like six months to a year, you know, you're, you were there with me those, in those years. I kind of, I got better and better, learned the language. Uh, you know, I wanted to have fun with the boys. I didn't want to miss out. <laughs> so that really motivated me to, 
to get going, learn the language. And uh, the second year, I thought I was going to play more. I thought I was going to, but it was the lockout year, remember? Yeah, I do. And then Kunitz and Lupo came, <laughs> came in, and I was playing actually less than my first year. I was losing my shit. <laughs> and it took, it took, it was, uh, the, the first two years in Cincy were really rough. But then when the when we moved to Portland, that's really uh, when things took off for me. That's when I really found my game and found my confidence in that league. But it was uh, it was definitely a big transition for a French skill guy, like you said. It's funny you say that, PA, because that <clears throat> that lockout year for me was, and and maybe why it took you a little bit longer to get to the league, because like you said, you didn't get an opportunity to really play a lot of minutes there, and it, it kind of hampered you. Where for me, there wasn't many good defensemen in the Ducks organization. Thank fuck. But like no, that, there wasn't no right. Mark Popovic, who I love Popper, but I was like, all right, Popper's pretty good, but he's not much better than me. I can hang in here. But that next year, that next year in Portland, like talk about Zenon Konopka because I we know how much you know of a great teammate he was. Talk about how much he meant to you that year in Portland, because I think he he really helped you deal with everything and gave you more room to play. He's just a great teammate and an absolute beauty. Yeah, he was he was huge for me. He was. <laughs> I'm scared to use the the word mentor and Zenon Kanabka <laughs> in the same sentence, but I'm going to have to here. <laughs> he was a mentor for me. He was huge. He, he did make a lot of room for me on the ice. Uh, he was protecting me at any any cause, and even off the ice too. We were great friends. We lived together, and he was uh, he was big for me. He really uh, he really helped me get to the next level. And I hate to admit it, but he really made me a little tougher too, <laughs> which, I mean- which kind of helped. He made it to the to the to the NHL for sure. The fact that he never got a fucking DUI living out in Old Orchard Beach that whole year was a shock in itself. But <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing about the story about uh, Zenit Konopka. So we're in the conference finals, Maggie. You remember this. We're in the conference finals. Yeah. We lose game one to Hershey. And obviously our mentality then was let's go get in a brawl. So I go out and try to fight somebody. Konopka goes out and try to fight somebody. Gillies goes out and tries to fight somebody. So Konopka had left the room. We come in and Kevin Deneen, your boy Dino's like, you know, you got to lose with class and win with class and we didn't lose with class. And then Tim Brent stayed up and stood up and said like, yeah, it's a fucking joke what O'Brien and Kanopka did and fucking Gillies. Like, we got to be pros here. So Knopper and PA were living together. So they catch wind of it. I'm back at my house and I live in the same condo as Tim Brent. And I'm having a glass of wine with my girlfriend Anna at the time. And I hear a... <laughs> and it's fucking Kanopka and PA. Kanopka's like, where's Brenter? What fucking condo does he live in? I'm fucking fighting him. I'm like, calm down. Calm down. First of all, you can't fight our second line center in the Eastern Conference Finals. And, yeah. and you just can't fight anyone. Have a glass of wine. But that was the type of guy he was, APA. Eh, yeah, he didn't take no for an answer. He yeah. really got he really got us there though, you know? Well they, and they had User, the, you Yeah, no, he was I mean that year in Portland. That playoff alone got me into the play, got me my opportunity to make the NHL when we went to the conference yes. finals and yeah. we were, you know, we were so close. We would have played Uppy in the fucking Calder Cup finals, which would have been good story yeah. to tell. But. We would have destroyed them. They lost in four, didn't they? We lost in six. <laughs> and I'll tell you what happened. I'll tell you what happened is fucking. They caught, six. This is what happened. Went out too many nights. Hershey has that stupid. I know what happened. You don't have to go there. Well, no, let's we had it. a bender. Let's Listen, after our third round, we swept. We we swept the first round, second round, and then we won in five in the third round. Pekka Rene was our goalie. He won. I think he won eleven of twelve games. We had Toots, Weber, me. Uh, we all got sent down and, and played. So anyway. We get to the finals. First two games are in in Milwaukee. We split them. Then there's a 13 day break in between games two and three. 
going to Hershey because they had some stupid circus there. So we literally had like, yeah. we had almost 11, you said, you said 13, 13, 13 days. days. We had 11 yeah. days off in between the things. So we finally right get the there. That's, yeah, that's, we that's get dangerous. there night before game three. And this is how cheap the minor leagues are is we flew commercial uh, the night before the game and we land in some fucking Gettysburg and we eat McDonald's at like 11.30 p.m. We take it out, a two hour bus ride in. Our hotel is, they don't ready to check us in, anything. So we literally play game, you know, we could have got there three or four days before, stay in a hotel, get accumulated to the rink, you go meet some girls, whatever the case may be. No, that's flying the night before, fucking cheap fucks. Um, so anyway, then they spanked us the next two games and then we went home, won one, came back, lost, lost in six. But Anyway, to answer your story, uh, Getze and Pears and Pens, right, all came down. For game seven. For game seven. I mean, if you guys got through, it would have been a... If we would have got through, we, it would have been a I hell don't of know. A you guys had a good team, but if we would have... Yeah, they came down for game seven and we, we lost in overtime, but I took the skate in the face. But Mago, do you remember... So yeah. you, you talk about... Oh, yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> you talk about the jungle, right? So the third year, me and Mago are back down in the jungle the third year. We got Kanopka, me and him, and our room is whatever. But so we talked to Dino... We're, we're roommates on the road. You remember we're roommates on the road, Mago? Yeah. So I bring my little weed fucking whatever. <laughs> I, I bring my little like, I don't think it was like a one hitter back then. You remember the ones you got? A little cigarette. But. A little cigarette thing. So me and Mago, we get <laughs> yeah. in the room. I put the towels down on the fucking door and everything. And we hit the one hitter. Every, didn't like 15 minutes later, PA be like, I hear someone open. I hear someone. It's the coach, I think. It's the coach. She's like, you know, and we would just fucking die laughing. You remember that, Mago? <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> so, so PA, we uh, on this on this panel here, we've got a lot of teams that we've covered. We've played. I played on seven. Obi, you're on six. Hazy, you got what? You got a half dozen. You're yeah, at five. Got, uh, Chicago, Boston, Florida, <laughs> New Jersey, Pittsburgh. Yeah, five. So I think there's only really, and we might have touched on this earlier, but there's I was only on a two year plan everywhere. Yeah. I had two year plans. That was my me thing. too. I was on a two year plan everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Until they really get to know who you are. You Until they went out of the city, just like girlfriends too. I'm good for like I could I could date her for like two months, and then they really start to see who you are, and then uh, anyway. So really, you look yeah. around the NHL. Mike Sillinger, I played with Silly Balls. This guy had the biggest nuts on planet Earth. But he also played for like 11 or 12 teams. We called him Silly Balls because his nuts were so big. Um, and he scored, this is a crazy stat. He scored 10 or more goals with 10 different NHL teams, which is, think about that, it's all time. Usually you get traded at the deadline. You play like, you know, you play a dozen games in playoffs. You don't ever get to 10 goals. This guy actually, yeah. you know, he came in and made yeah. a statement on all the teams he played for and a great teammate. Great guy. Uh, and then Lee Stepniak. I played with Lee. I'm sure we all did, actually. Yeah. I played with Stemper. Yeah, we all yeah. played with him. <laughs> if you played in the NHL we from 2007 to 2000. But then, PA, then it's you, buddy. I think how many do you got? I know. I got eight. I eight got teams. I got Chicago, Rangers, Islanders, uh, Avalanche, Montreal, Toronto, Jersey, and Nashville, which I didn't play much there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but thank God, thank God you did go to Nashville because it allowed me and Mackell to come in for the Stanley Cup Finals. And oh my God! Okay, sorry to change subjects. <laughs> the best warm up I've seen in National Hockey League history is we go in for Game Three, Game Three and Four. 
Mago doesn't think he's playing game three. While he gets the call, he's in. So me and Mako are like, we got to go for warm-up to see this guy. Because the rink was already full of fans, right? So we go down, and Mago's got the hair flowing. And I think it was Pex was your starting goalie, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. there was no fucking getting Pex warm up. Mango was coming in, short side titty, <laughs> wing, wing, wing. <laughs> hey, he's got to warm himself up. I got to uh, warm up. I'm I'm like, like, I barely slept the, barely slept the night before. I was like to Mako, I'm like, that's, a, that's the best warm up I've seen in National Hockey League history. His hair was flowing and he went seven for seven, top shelf. So, um, <laughs> Mango, talk about that experience in Nashville, though, going to the Cup Finals. I know you're in and out of the lineup, but still to play in the Stanley Cup Final, man, I was there to see it. It was, it was pretty cool. That was really special. We uh, we had a really good thing going there. It was like I think they like we barely made the playoff. I think we finished eight, eight or seven. And um, I was kind of playing towards the end. I was in, I had an injury, so I was kind of starting starting trying to get over that. Uh, Laviolette was really patient with me, but like I just <laughs> didn't really have it early. <laughs> I don't know what was going on, but uh, we played Chicago. Uh, we swiped them, I think. Yeah, you and then that. we just kind of took off from there, like the Forsberg, uh, Harvidsson, Pex. Like the decor was amazing. Like uh, Ekholm, uh, Ellis, Subi was playing really well too back then. <laughs> back then, <laughs> you guys walked. You walked through you us back then. You walked through us in the in the second round. <laughs> oh, you beat yeah, you beat up. Yossi, yeah, yeah, they, Yossi. they beat us in yeah, the yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, Yossi was the leader. He was amazing. So we, they had a really good thing going, and it just you know. When you go on a playoff run like that, it's it's all about the first round. You know, if you find your confidence, and the boys really did, and uh, it was kind of a magical run. The fans in Nashville were insane. The city was like upside down. Like I, I couldn't believe it. It was it was a great great three months for me. The fucking city was upside down. I left that city upside down. By the way, hey Mago, I never really asked you about this. Like for a guy that throughout your career, once you established yourself as a national leaguer, you were in the lineup night and night out. Going through that playoff when you're in and out, how did you deal with it like mentally to be like, okay, I, I got to stay sharp? Is it just practice or is it more mental? Just be like, okay, keep your head in this because I might get an opportunity. Yeah, it was really hard. You know me, Obes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't deal well with that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was trying to stay sharp, practice well. <laughs> and, sharp. You know, uh, Lavi was really honest with me. He was really good. And uh, I know I thought he was an amazing coach actually uh, you know usually when a coach does that to me I don't get along with him very well but he was really <laughs> honest and he, uh, <laughs> he he was uh, he was a big part of that run I thought he's one of the bigger coach I've seen in action so uh, I, I try to stay sharp you know try, try to practice well try to impress him in practice but I was never known as a practice player either so I couldn't really justify myself there so it was, it was no, fun you... though it was, uh, it was one, one, fun, one fun way to finish my initial career uh, PA, talk about none of us. None of us guys here got to play in New York, although we all love the city. Um, you were pretty young oh. in there. You had a good tour guide with our boy Andy Mackell. Um, Mackell, baby. Yeah. How was your experience cool. playing in the Big Apple? I know a lot of our fans, probably a lot of our fans, haven't even been to New York before. But uh, the city is awesome. Playing at MSG is badass. Can you mm -hmm. can you touch on that? Your experience there? Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing like playing at MSG, really. It's such a big deal, you know. All the concert, the stars that have been there. Like, I remember my first few games, we had such a such a squad. I think we had, like, Jager, Straka, Longquist, uh, Shanahan. <laughs> like, it was a tough lineup to crack. That kind of that kind of cost me a little bit, too. That's why I stayed in Hartford for so long. We had, like, we had a bunch of Gabarik. We had a bunch of stud up, like, up front. 
Uh, but playing there was amazing. I remember hanging out with Macal. He was showing me around, like he was taking taking care of me, and we had we had a blast there. But I didn't play long. I only think I only played like forty games or something. Just the the second part of one year, and then I signed with the Islanders for a few years after that. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about uh, like what was it like playing in your hometown? Like how was that experience? Do you feel that there was more pressure on you, and that you had to deal with the distractions? Like I played in Boston, and it didn't go that well for me i felt like i i might have been going out a little too much here and there but no i feel like no that, that, that experience of no. playing in your hometown was uh like a thrill for you it was a thrill but it, it, it turned into a nightmare pretty quick <laughs> you know it's it's never it's never that easy i couldn't stay healthy that year too for some reason my head like i had a big concussion uh terry was the coach which was was not the easiest uh it, it wasn't the best combo let's put it this way <laughs> uh but no it was it's, it was still fun to put that jersey on you know like grew up watching him like you know every day i was watching hockey like i was a huge fan growing up and it was still special although it was my worst year of my career uh you know like pr- like production wise and you know health wise too yeah not even close too so <laughs> but it was still special. I still cherish that moment. And, you know, no one's going to be able to take that away from me ever that, you know, playing that jersey and playing my hometown for a full year. It was amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. I I enjoyed it too. I, I mean, my start to that year could have been one of the most embarrassing starts ever. With, and then the, <laughs> even the final stat line with two goals and three assists, making two and a half million dollars was probably the highest yeah, for a point. That, yeah, that's tough. I don't think anyone had a more rough. Like I know you say it was rough, but Scott Gomez's experience in Montreal was, was something special. He didn't score. He didn't score for a full yeah, year. But he was making fucking <laughs> eight, nine bananas. <laughs> he didn't, I, he I, didn't I, score for a full year. He didn't score a goal for seven months. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, he had a whole nation chasing him down. <laughs> it was fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing about Gomer, oh, I was, when, 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 Mago, when Gomer was going through that, I was in Tampa, I believe, and I went over with Brad Lukowicz to Gomer's house to have some, because he wouldn't leave the house. He's like, I'm not going for dinner. If you yeah, guys want to come I, over, come see I, me. And I think he probably had some weed over there. I so think, I was like, I'm coming with you, Luke. I want to get I baked. Think, that was such a big deal. I think we all remember where we were when was when that was happening. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, right? You're like, it's like a uh, like a, a disaster <laughs> yeah. event. Disaster, yeah. and and the thing about Gomer is like he's still one of the best I ever seen to come back. Well, Mango, you could be in this, but when you come back and get it and skate up through the neutral zone, so I'm like, yeah, he's not scoring, but fuck, he's still looking good. He's still looking decent out there. Yeah, not he's, 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 I you, do, you don't judge a, a guy by his goals. You judge a guy by the amount of times he's got the fuck on his plate. He was really good at that. <laughs> he, was, he was really good at that. He always had that fucking thing on his stick, Mango. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I was actually like, I was trying to play like him for a while, especially when I was in Long Island in Denver. I was like, I want to be Scott Gomez, go get the puck behind the net, just be patient, a little sauce in the middle. That was amazing. Those nope. were the years. Nobody got the blue line better than you, pulled up, looked at yourself in the glass, and went cross-ice sauce better than you over that <laughs> offensive blue line. That's when I remember you told me, you're like, I think I'm done, Holmes. I'm like, why? He's like, ah, they, they back-checked too hard. But you did say that, seriously. Yeah. That's how much the game changed yeah. on you, right? Like, you would get that line before, yeah. and you have oh, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when, when I heard the term track back for the first <laughs> time in my career, I knew I was done. <laughs> that team checks well. Yeah. Track. Yeah. We back-check as a team. I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, oh, you're a fucking beauty. I oh, miss it's you. unbelievable. Hey, let's talk. We talk about the Canadians a lot on here, Mago, about, you know, like last year they, they beat the Pens in five and they have a big offseason with Tuck Foley and they go out and get some guys and they're leading the division. Next thing you know, it's a shit show. Julian's fired. They're talking at price. What do you think of the Montreal Canadiens? Are they, were they just overhyped or, or they, will they bounce back and make the playoffs? And it's tough to get a read on them these days. Uh, I I think personally they they wanted the deepest squad in the NHL, but I think they lack firepower a little bit. Yeah. That's my take on them. I don't think I don't think they're strong enough down the middle, especially in that division, that Canadian division. Like th- those first two centers, like Suzuki, Kakinami, or like whoever D- Dano. Dano's having a rough year. <laughs> he's having a kind of a Gomez year. <laughs> like, and he's French, so that's like double whammy. Yeah, yeah they really so, they really let anyway, you have so, it, right? Like, huh? They really let you have it if you're French king and struggling, right? They don't let like they really bury you. Yeah, or- it's like it's like they love burying you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they get they get something out of it, but it's it's just the whole culture. I think that's that's what it is, and with the, with the social media too, like it's even worse now these days. And I don't think they're deep. In, I don't think they're good enough down the middle, like. The fact that they have to play Matthews, Tavares, McDavid, Dreisaitl, yeah. uh, Shifley, Shifley, Wheeler, uh, Stas, Wheeler, Con- Connor, like these, they can't match up with these team up front. Last night I watched the game; they did win four two. Price made some crazy saves just to keep that game even for a while. Uh, they they got outplayed yesterday again, but they, they did win the game because of Pricey. So I don't know. I I uh, and if the Sutter effects is happening as much as I think it's going to happen in Calgary. It's fucking I happening. Think still be it's bad. it's we, happening. We it's got happening. Su- we so got, I'm, I'm a little worried for the Habs to even make it. I know. We got Sutter for the Jack Adams already. We said before we came on, give him the give him the Jack Adams. <laughs> the yeah. Sutter effect yeah. is happening. Ma- Mago, you brought up Carey Price and we had, talk- is- we had talked about it. Sorry, we had talked about Carey Price. There was a, you saw it probably on the Montreal paper, the overpriced thing. Like, what do you? What were your thoughts on that? Like, I think they need to try to keep this guy and keep him as happy as they can, because, like you said, he stole one last night from. Yeah, but first of all, if you take prices out out of that lineup, there's no playoffs in 12 years in Montreal. Yeah. So, <laughs> no joke. No, like, so, <laughs> like you, no you, joke. you, you, you gotta respect the guy a little more. Like, it's like every saves he makes, every games he steals, like they take it for granted in Montreal, right? So like that's that's my take on it, and now they expect him to be like that. And when he's not stealing games, he's not doing his job. But he, it's not gonna happen. Like you still need a team in front of you in the long run. You still need like like sustained offense uh, to win hockey games, especially the way the, the league's going. The offense is like in the Canadian division, it's insane. Like the amount of goals that have been scored. Like yeah. McDavid and Drysaddle are, are gonna light up price if you let let them shoot from the slot you give him easy scoring chances totally. you know what i mean like the game has changed a little bit these guys are so good like the, the stars are so good that the goalies can't make the difference as much anymore that's what i think and i do see i wouldn't be surprised if like if they don't make the playoff this year i wouldn't be surprised if uh, price and ends up in uh, in seattle out west where he's from too what, let me ask you about their GM, Mark Bergevin, a guy who I had met throughout my playing career and he's a fucking character guy, funny guy. I would see him out in Vancouver all the time when he was working for the Blackhawks. He threw me an up dog under the bus in Florida when we were out one night in Montreal. Yeah, but I think, do you think we were with him. With you, yeah. We were, oh, I, I was there. I was there, at, <laughs> too. I was there at dinner. Yeah, that's right. I you was were. there with you guys, but I didn't go yeah. out. See, you, yeah, did we, I think you no, were we, sober we, that uh, night, too. <laughs> were you sober in Montreal for a bit? Were you not drinking then? 
Yeah, I was sober. I was. Yeah. I wasn't thinking then. No wonder you played right. so fucking bad there. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder yeah. you had a bad year. You're off the sauce. Hey, uh, Mago, is 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 he? If they don't make it, is is he in trouble? Could he lose his job? Is he on the hot seat? What are your thoughts on Bergie? Oh man, that's another tough one because the two signing he made, Anderson and Toffoli, are absolutely yeah. killing it and saving this yeah. team right that's now. That's true. Yeah. So that's true. You can't take that away from him. Those are the two best region signing of the year, and they're on his squad. So that's saving him right now. But he, I, I do believe he does. He's on borrow time <laughs> still. <laughs> like if you're still in Montreal. And you haven't made like they haven't done that good. Like they should have even made the playoff last year. They got they got in because of COVID. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think I think he is on road time. Yeah, I, I do think that for sure. Scusi? I was going to ask, oh, do you feel do you feel like you're welcome back in the Bell Center, like as an alumni right now, uh, when things open up? Like like a Montreal Canadian alumni has got to be a pretty cool thing. Um, can you just He's walk right in? Puck first game. Yeah, can you walk right in there and do what you want? <laughs> grab a you know a bottle of champagne, start you know being PA that that we know. Do you think you'd be welcome back there? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> Mark Bergevin didn't buy me out. <laughs> then I went to Toronto and scored twenty. Yeah, yeah see, okay, yeah, see, that's two two juicy but, alumni no, to just. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd be welcome. I, Hell yeah! I think Marbury's like you said. I think Marbury's is an awesome guy. I think yeah. he's a good character guy. I think he's well appreciated. That I got nothing against him. I did. I did deserve to get buy out that year. <laughs> to I, be completely I, honest. So, uh, <laughs> I uh, no, I, I think I'd be welcome there. Yeah, and yeah. eventually after COVID, I'm planning on making some trips to Montreal and go enjoy some hockey games in Montreal again for sure. Let's talk about your time in Toronto. PA. Oh, sorry, brother. Let me go real quick. Yeah, then no, you'll go next. Yeah, all right. So PA called. PA is like, I'm signing in Toronto. I said, okay. I go to Loops. I go to Loops. Hey, PA signing in Toronto. And and when we were in Cincy, you and Loops didn't really hang out much. Loops was only down there for one year, and they weren't buddies. I'm like, trust me. You and fucking PA are going to get along just fine. And like a month in, he texted me, him and Lucia, like, but just talk about your time there, Mago. You had a great year. Um, it's got to be another place that I wish I would have played. I grew up a Leafs fan, as you know. It must have been awesome playing there. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was a really good organization. Uh, obviously, it was kind of a transition year there. Like, we were we were pretty bad. It was the year after they drafted Matthews. But um, Lou, Lou was there. He was, you know. He was doing his thing. Babs, Babs was there. I thought it was going to be really hard to play for Babs. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, everything I was hearing was just like, oh, boy, not my style. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? We got along really well, me and Babs, and he uh, he played he played the shit out of me, and I had a really good year, and he, he was using me, like, you know, <laughs> the way every every offensive player wants to be used. And I think that's one of his strengths. I think he, uh, he knows what he can bring to the table, and he, uh, you know, he uses you, like, in – and he does ask a lot out of you, but you know if you deliver, you will play, and you you will be in his on his good side. Um, and I, I'm 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 looking forward to see if he's gonna get another gig. I'm, I'm really uh, I'm really curious. What do you guys think? I say no we, chance. Yeah, we don't know. We no chance. Those huh? young guys. Well, I, mean, I shouldn't say no chance. I think every who knows. But like the way you handle the way he, the stories, the rumors that came out, the way he handled those young guys in Toronto. I just don't see how teams are going to be able to hire him back. But now what's he coaching college kids? So maybe he's trying to go and learn and to adjust. But uh, I, mm -hmm. I think it's going to be tough for him to come back with that uh, reputation. 
I think it'd be the remedy for Buffalo. Let's <laughs> write that up real quick. <laughs> Poor Buffalo, huh? I, I like the city of Buffalo, oh, too. I used boy. to love going in there, the old Chippewa <laughs> Street and getting pinned, but uh, they're in one there. But Ma- <laughs> Mago, who, who who do you watch now? Like, we all say McDavid, Jaisal, but is there one kid you watch now that you're like, wow, if I would have played with him, or just not even play with him, just a guy that you watch, or like, you know, his skills through the roof, or how, I'm sure it's probably McDavid, yeah. but who is it? Yeah, it's it's Mitch Marner for me. Oh, wow. Okay. Righty yeah. shot. I'm yeah. a big fan. I'm a big fan. The right shot. Soft. Soft. Is he French? <laughs> soft. <laughs> soft. <laughs> soft. <laughs> Fucking but, soft. But, wow. He, he he's so smart though. Like he doesn't even need to be to be. You know, he's his his head is just like out of this world. You know, his hockey hockey sense and his hockey IQ is the best in the league. Like. You know, him, Dreisaitl, McDavid is just it's insane. I'm a huge fan of Kyle Connor too in uh yeah. in Winnipeg. Yeah, what an that, underrated player. He flies. That kid can fly. <laughs> he he couldn't be in that he scored two he sniped two yesterday, like unpricey like that. Like no one sniped like beats and clean like that. <laughs> unpricey like that. Hey, uh, Mago, seriously on Mitch Marner, though, this was a couple years back when they were gonna play the Bruins in the first round. I'm like, all right, this kid's gonna this is when we're gonna see. This kid's gonna get murdered. But like you said, he was so much smarter than everybody else and one play ahead that he they ended up losing in seven, I think. But they, he never got touched that whole series because of his hockey IQ. Yeah, he's like uh, he's like a 20th century, century wing Gretzky. Like, yeah. That's how he thinks. He's just out of the game. He doesn't need to be that fast. He doesn't need to have a great shot. He doesn't need to, to do anything special. But he, his playmaking abilities and his, like the way he sees the ice, you can see it when he plays. He's like... He's just dancing out there. Like even when he doesn't have the puck, he knows where to go, and he can't teach that kind of stuff. That's what I like. He's not overly fast, but his feet are always moving. It's yeah. like the one thing coaches yeah, always exactly. tell you: like keep your feet moving, don't stand yeah. still. Like he, and then his lung capacity. Like he's got to be able to be. Yeah, he's got to be a freak in shape. He's on the Russian gas. Yeah, it must be. But but he just <laughs> he literally just moves his feet everywhere. That stupid tracker that they probably put on these kids, you know, nowadays with the yeah. analytics and stuff, probably show him just like step, 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 step. I would have liked to see that yeah, tracker. I would thing, like to see that tracker up front. They would have been saying they'd <laughs> see a track right to the bar, then to the next bar, and then back yeah. home around two thirty AM. The sleep patterns yeah. on that would be fucked yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> they would have said, Pronto, you're moving your feet in the offensive zone, but the D zone, not quite so much, man. Uh, that, tripod you're, that tripod you're sending up in the D zone is not going to fly, but boy. <laughs> Mago, tell the boys a story. Tell the boys a story about when you're going to get your big ticket in Colorado and you called me up. I was on the golf course. I'll never forget this. I'll never forget that either. I just came, I came out of a 70-point season in Long Island playing with Johnny T., and I knew I was gonna sign. I was gonna sign a pretty good ticket that summer. I was so excited. And there was a few offers, but the night before, I kind of knew I was gonna sign in Denver because they, they they had the best offer on the table. And I knew you were there. Okay? <laughs> and I was like, hmm, should I do that or should I not? <laughs> and I did. <laughs> I told you, I'm like, oh, but I'm coming to Denver. I get the best offer. He's like, no. I go, no, no way. you're not. I'm like, I'm telling you, you'll see them all when you get up. I'm coming to see him. And then I Sure said- enough, signed in Denver, four years. Lasted only two. I know. Oh, fuck. I know. I, th- we, I had. A, I just signed a. Th- I had just signed a three-year deal before UFA. So I had a three-year ticket. You called me up. You're like, well, I signed a four-year deal. The only thing, the only guy that was holding out at the time was Ryan O'Reilly. Ryan O'Reilly. Other than that, Mago, we were like, this is going to be a nice little three or four years. 
And I just remember the one time turning to you after the game or whatever on the plane. I'm like, are we going too hard, Maggle? You think off the ice a little bit? <laughs> you think we're going a little too hard? And you're like, yeah, we might. Or whatever. It was just, it, it didn't work out the way we wanted to. But that second year after I got traded, you guys had a great year when you guys made the playoffs under uh, Patty Wall, right? Yeah, yeah. Patty Wall. Patty Wall. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we had a really good year that year. I, uh, I got hurt quite a bit that year too. But uh, no, yeah, we turned it around. Like, Barlamov was on fire. We picked up McKinnon. He was playing good hockey. We were, we were much better the second year, but. I had more fun the first year. <laughs> What's it like playing? That I always, was a lockout year. I, I always wondered about Patty Wall. I knew I was I knew I was fucking getting dealt when I I was texting the boys. You know when a new coach comes in, you're like, hey, have you heard from the coach, right? So I was going down the depth chart, right? Yeah. I'm like, all right, well he's yeah. still at the fucking. And then at Bordelow, I text everyone him. heard from everyone heard from the new coach, but you. Yeah, and then I go to Patrick Bordelow. I go, Bordelow, you heard from Patty Wall? He's like, oh yeah, I talked to him yesterday. I'm like, I'm out of here. Yeah. Fuck, that's it. If, if he's <laughs> <laughs> that guy was so tough, Obes. Oh, buddy. P.A., do you remember this? So, Bordalo, he he finally makes the show. He's making 575, right? Comes in, has a great year that year. He's <laughs> hanging out with me and the Mago. And he fights bigger and twice, fights everyone. So, then he has an offer for three years, oh. three, three bananas, a million bucks a year. And he calls me up and he's like, you think I should take? You think I should take this? I went. Well, see how you're making forty-seven thousand two years ago. I think you should maybe jump on this contract, buddy. But he, yeah. he was a great team. He was a he was a great you should, teammate. You should jump on it. And, you should jump on it and frame it. <laughs> um, I, I got to tell one story here about PA in Denver. So I was in the doghouse shockingly with Joe Sackle but, no. <laughs> but but PA Pronto was running our team which was the only probably highlight throughout that career for me right I was like at least PA's having a good year and he's as much as Joe Sacco and Dave Quinn are running my show PA's running it right back so I'm gonna tell two stories the first story was on the power play and I hadn't had a power play shift all fucking year and our D wasn't that good so fucking Matty Hunwick was on the power play and PA yells down the bench he's like get this fucking guy off the power play would you and sure enough next shift I jumped on there and we sniped one in Columbus so that, I think that was maybe my first and only power play shift Maggle but the other one I wanted to tell was we're driving to the rink we stayed up fucking I don't even know this is bad to say we stayed up late I probably shouldn't have been driving the rink but we're driving the rink and I'm like PA's like there's no way I'm practicing today there's no fucking way I'm practicing Obes. I'm like come on man you gotta like no fucking chance so he gets to the rink he tells Maddie our trainer he's like yeah fuck I took a puck yesterday in the hand or a stick so now he's walking around in the lounge with it on his left hand drinking coffee watching highlights big smile on his face I'm like going to get dressed I come in after a 40-minute, whatever, pretty tough skate or whatever, come in, and he's sitting in the same spot, but he's got the ice bag. Instead of on his left hand, he's got it on his right hand. I'm like, hey, Maggle, wrong hand, buddy. He's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, PA, your old, your old man Jill oh, likes, the, oh, likes, Jill. The likes the father's trips. Um, I, was oh, told, yeah. I was told a story where he got caught in the dressing room trying to steal some <laughs> some sock tape for for the summer. And then, can you tell that? And then did he, I think it's after it that's hilarious, but do you, do you remember that? So, oh yeah, I do. <laughs> so Loops told me, Loops told me the story. You heard, you heard that from Loops for yeah, sure. Yeah, I sure did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Loopy for sure. Yeah, I remember I think all the dads were in the locker room, they were in half in the bag. I think we just beat the Panthers and there's party in the room and I think I think Luke saw my dad like he had all all the suck tape loaded in his in his jacket. Like 
was, it was crazy. I didn't see it, but Luke told me at the bar after. I was like, no. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> and then we, it was a fun road trip with the dad that year. Did we, no, I don't think you guys were in Florida anymore. Okay, no, yeah. No, Loops goes, cool. PA, look at fucking Jill over there. He's stealing all the, or, or yeah, you're like, Loops, look at my yeah, dad. Yeah. Fuck, he's stealing all the sock tape. Oh, that's great. Oh, it's funny shit, but. Broadway, what you guys think? You guys think oh, Ultra Mago? Yeah, PA, I just wanted to, I was going through, like you said, we, you, you played for a lot of teams, and then that last stop I saw on that hockey DB was over in the KHL for three games. What was that yeah. experience like, and what were you doing over there? <laughs> Most importantly, what was I doing over there? Well, <laughs> fucking drinking. They, they called me. It was the it was the Olympic year that non NHLer could make the oh, yeah, yeah. the Olympic. I oh. just I just retired, so I thought I was had a good chance to make the team, but I was so out of shape. In my, in my mind, I was already retired, right? <laughs> this team from Russia called me. They're like, can you come here for four months to play? And they could say, no, the money was too good. I'm like, so I look at my family. I'm like, yeah, I'm going. Like, I, four months for that kind of money, I, I, I'm going to go. What a grind that was. <laughs> oh, my God, that place is a nightmare, dude. Like, everything's brown. They're 40, 40 years behind. Uh, I don't even know where to start. Uh, I never. That's even, a good start. Is that's the Russian gas like? Is that true? Like the people? Oh, that's that yeah. That, that that's true. Everything you hear is true there, which is amazing. You don't even need to think about it. Everything you hear coming from there is exactly how it is. I was playing. <laughs> what, what you? I was playing in Austria, and you were texting me, so we were kind of on the same time thing. And I just remember you texting yeah. me, I go being like, "Oh, this is fucking," like you said, "I fucking grind," but. And then, the, oh, yeah. then they snubbed you. Then they snubbed you on the Olympic team too, which I thought was a joke. Yeah, me too. Anyways, but that's okay. I went to the Spengler Cup. I won the Spengler Cup the year before you up here. Yeah, Same hey, that's up. how you go I, out I, swinging right there. When I saw right you there. the Spengler Cup, I saw my I saw myself <laughs> a year before, just over like that's great. <laughs> Overdoing it, thinking you're the shit, the gold Overdoing it. Uh, it was. <laughs> Uh, it was great. How fun was that? That's an incredible tournament. Up? Yeah, yeah. I, th I think you experience. actually won it two years before me because they lost the year before. They lost the year before in a shootout. Okay, I think. okay. Yeah. Um, okay. But it's a great tourney. It's. I mean, you ski. Yeah, the family. You stay at that yeah, one. You ski. Yeah, you, you ski. Yeah, during the tournament. Yeah, it's, it's, during the well, tournament, you're, you're skiing. Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. If you're an NHLer, you don't really care, right? Yeah. yeah. If you're a guy from Europe, you don't ski. Yeah. Me and, <laughs> hey, me and Paul Coffey were up on the slopes. League, you don't ski. Yeah. yeah. You don't <laughs> ski. <laughs> um, no, it's Team Canada does does things, you know, so first class, and that that's that's one of the best terms. Ah, crazy. I tell everyone, and I actually said it for years. I don't know if you thought the same, but I'm like, when I'm done playing, I'm going over to Switzerland. I'm playing in that stupid Spengler Cup. I'm gonna have a blast. And that was, uh, that was yeah. A good yeah. Way to close it was it. in my mind. It was in yeah. my mind towards the end of my career too. I'm like, why not? You no, know, I heard so many good things. Davos is spectacular. Yeah, man. like this yeah. place is just top notch. <laughs> like I want to go back there on a trip. And yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll see. PA buddy, I absolutely love you, buddy. You're my one of my favorites all time. We grew up together. I met you when we were 20 years old, and uh, we kind of grew up those three years, good and bad, off the ice. Um, Whenever you can come out here, buddy, we want you out here in the studio. We'll play some golf. Um, thank you for doing this, buddy. I, I truly love you, and you're one of my favorite teammates of all time, Mago. Thank you. Right back at you, buddy. All right. Thanks, Paul.
Obi, I'm reading the Manscaped Daily News newspaper right here. Love it. And these guys save balls. <laughs> they sure do. That's their motto. I use their product. It's unbelievable. And we're excited to announce a new partnership with Manscaped. Check out the best below-the-waist grooming products. I don't know about you, but I've been doing the lawnmower. Things badass. Got a flashlight on it. Bring it in the shower. It gets wet. I mean, you told me about it. I mean, the ladies... They're gonna thank you. It's great. You can't nick or pull your little hair out in places you don't want it pulled out of, and it's it's great. I've been using it for for a while now, so I'm excited to work with. Them. I don't have to go get waxed anymore, so this you is don't, great. You don't, and they have other great stuff. Up dog that we have, like the ball deodorant I have used, it's unbelievable. And then the ball toner after you get out of the shower, balls. take the ball toner. If you guys who have girlfriends, it's great for you. Single guys, it's even better when you get out there at night. Bring the ball toner, put it in your pocket, use that at the bar. You never have to use underwear again. Oh, just, just get the ball free So that's we have an exclusive offer for our listeners, Opes. It's twenty percent off and free shipping with the code curfew at manscaped.com. Gotta look after those balls. Love it. Up dog. Um, first of all, thank you for getting Frank Cervelli. Um, that was awesome to get some, you know, insight on what's going on. Uh, the trade deadline is April 12th, so it's right around the corner. Uh, you've known Frank a long time. He's, he seemed like a good guy and had great insight on the game. Yeah, he's uh, always oh, in the room best. in Philly. Um, he was a guy that uh, took pride in kind of getting to know players on a different level, so a level that uh, he felt comfortable talking to them and the players felt comfortable talking to him. I know he told a story with Kevin Hayes, uh, picking him up from the airport in Philly when he first got there. Um, little things like that, media guys are not known for. So uh, we welcome Frank on our on our podcast, on our squad anytime. He's uh, he's got great insight. He's well spoken. Um, he thinks Buffalo stinks <laughs> physically. I think it does too. Um, so no, it was you a said great. There's a stench coming out of Buffalo. It was uh, yes, oh. sure is a stench. A little cloud over Buffalo, right? Um, <laughs> but eggs. no, boys, it was a great show. Uh, Jimmy, it was great. Get your inside scoops, some rumor mills. Uh, we touched on, you know, we touched on the business side of hockey today, which was great. Hope our fans liked it, and then uh, we had fun with a really good guest of ours at the end, which was great. Yeah, Frank, that was awesome for me because I I love that insider stuff, the getting the rumors swirling, and just to be able to have the insight. And him to kind of shoot down some of my my ideas of guys going certain places, just because it doesn't work for cap reasons. So to kind of have what we like to call his expert opinion, it was cool to see. And you can see his personality that he'd be a guy that you'd be willing to talk to in the locker room. Absolutely, I agree. Well said there, Broadway. And um, yeah, just a great dude. And to PA Pronto, um, Uppy, you've known him. We played World Juniors with him. Uh, one of my favorite teammates, as you could say, like one of the best sense of humor is his French accent's great. And I was just, oh, I was God. laughing the whole time. So to the listeners, if I'm laughing too much, I apologize, but uh, I miss that guy. Same. I love playing with him. So to PA Pronto, thank you. He's going to come out to California whenever we can get guys out here. So he'll be in the studio with us. Ups. Yeah, no bad days for PA. Yeah. That's definitely the way he lives his life. And then next week, we're going to dive into some division stuff. Um, a lot of teams are past the halfway point. Some teams haven't played halfway, but we're basically... You know, what are we, a month and a half, two months to playoffs? May 8th, playoffs start here. So uh, we'll dive into divisions yeah. next week. Some picks that we you know, that we made that were right, some that weren't right. There's some, boys, there's some really good races in hockey right now that I didn't think were going to exist. So next week, I want to dive into and get your guys as an ex-player's opinion on this time of year, teams that are in there. So thanks to Frank Cervelli, PA Pronto, Updog, always a pleasure. Broadway Jimmy Scoops, thank you. And to our listeners, until next week, that was Missing Curfew.
Obi, big thanks to our Missing Curfew sponsors. We really appreciate these brands stepping up and we're really excited to grow these partnerships and make them feel like they're a part of our show. Absolutely, Updog. Thank you to our sponsors. And if you have any interest in partnering with Missing Curfew, reach out to us and let's get something started. Hit us up at scotty at missingcurfew.com. Thank you.